This is Chris, and we're talking about things that inspire me. This inspiring episode is an interview that I recently got to do with a guy named Alex Sharfin. And he is massively inspiring, not just to me, but to literally millions of people. He's built multiple multi-million dollar businesses, multiple multi-multi-million dollar businesses, one including up to the amount of $250 million, uh, million dollars. And he has helped, one of, one of his many superpowers is implementing teams and have a company that's growing, a software company that's growing quickly. And it's just, it's growing so fast that it's really, really painful. I can't do everything myself. I had to build a team or I wasn't going to survive. And this, this guy is someone that really, really helped me implement teams, implement system, implement structure that I'm not naturally good at and needed a lot of help in. And outside of that, he's just a good guy. And so you, um, I'm really excited to uh, have Alex Sharfin on this podcast. Uh, really, really grateful for him saying yes. Really grateful for him uh, and his wife and his family for how inspiring uh, they are as entrepreneurs and just how they show up in life. You're going to get a ton from this. Really excited to share this with everyone. Enjoy. So that like immediately right off the bat, what are you going to get from this episode? You're going to get two things. Number one, you're going to get the inside scoop uh, that most, if not all people have not fully heard uh, today, which is going to be really, really exciting. And the second thing is you're going to get why, what the story that Alex is about to share, why it impacted me so much and why it will you too. So we're going to be hanging around this, this framework of community and connection today. Um, so Alex, uh, let's start off with this story uh, that we've been talking about. We were at a conference in Arizona and we're eating lunch together. You're speaking there. Did an awesome job, by the way. Thank you. And lit up the room as usual. And you start talking about, was it your first business that you started talking about? Um, I think somebody at the table asked me, like, Dude, I think you might've said like, what's your business history? When did you start? And so I went back to the beginning and then played all the way forward. Yes. Okay. So, so like Candyman is that, yeah. that's the first official. Okay. Can you, can you tell everyone, share that story with them? So, yeah, well, I, I had, I had some other stuff that I did when I was really young, um, you know, like eight or nine years old, I used to like go around and clean up lawns and do like labor stuff that a lot of kids did. And then my mom worked for a newspaper and you had to be 12 years old to have a paper route, but kids, but because she worked there, I got a paper route when I was like nine. So I, I always felt like I had to be doing something. But when I got into junior high school, um, you know, there was, there was a little bit more freedom in junior high. You're moving from class to class. Everybody's kind of in a mixed like group area. Um, I, I saw an opportunity to start selling stuff to the kids. And so I had my mom take me to a place in California called Smart and Final, where you could buy like bulk candy. It kind of like a Costco, but that was, it was Smart and Final in our area. And I, I would go buy bulk candy that was like anywhere from five to eight cents per package. And I'd sell it for 25 to 50 cents per package. And I was making like 50 or a hundred dollars a day. A like day. day. And I was in junior high. It was awesome. I was making a ton of money. I didn't like people though. So I actually had somebody else selling the candy. I had three guys who sold the candy. So I like supplied the business plan. They supplied the labor. They got part of the money. We did inventory after each day. 
And uh, it was awesome. It was absolutely fantastic right up until the school figured out what was going on. Um, well, well, so once this, you said this, how did the school, let's start off with how did the school find out? <laughs> well, the school, they, they realized there was a problem. Their cafeteria sales had gone down so much, like the lunchtime cafeteria sales had gone down so much. They were going to have to let the cafeteria lady go. And so like, they weren't going to be able to support having school lunches because so many kids were no longer buying school lunches. So they started investigating it and they found out it was me. And so that like started this year long, like I'm going to fight city hall thing that happened to me. So, um, they, they came to me. I, I remember the principal called me into his office and I'm like, why am I getting called into principal's office? I didn't do anything. Like I walked in and I was, I was not, I, I, I wasn't a timid kid, but I walked in kind of like, like, what the heck, you know, what are you going to do? I didn't yeah. do anything. I'm, I'm totally clean. And he sat me down and he's like, you know, I understand you've been selling candy and, you know, we have regulations against that. And as soon as he said regulations, I'm like, show me what regulations. I want to see the regulations. Like, <laughs> yes. You know, like I'm going to fight this. And so um, what, what ended up happening was the school, he, he did find some regulation that said you couldn't sell candy or you couldn't sell anything on school unless it was part of a charity. Because I, I remember arguing, hey, there's kids sit here selling all the time, Girl Scout cookies and, you know, candy bars and all kinds of stuff. Like I'm just selling the stuff that I buy. And so his comeback was that you couldn't do it unless you were associated with a charity. So, um, that shut me down for about 48 hours. And then I figured out how to an associate, how to associate with a charity. So I started giving part of the money that I made to a charity and I'm like, dude, you can't do anything. Here's my receipts. This is the money that I'm giving to charity. And so, um, that was like the beginning of this whole saga. The next thing that the school did was <laughs> they tried to, uh, they should, so they shut me down first with the charity exemption. Then they did another thing where they said, you couldn't sell any type of, of candy on campus, um, except for these world famous chocolate bars that the school did. So they actually made a regulation that said the only type of candy that could be sold was this one thing. And so that shut me down. I was totally ticked off. It was like, I was making a ton of money and now, you know, I'm making nothing. And I was working with my dad at the time on the weekends and I was going to a swap meet and there was a guy there that sold earrings. This was back in the eighties. And there was a guy that sold the big, huge, like neon hoop earrings. And I don't, you probably are too young to remember this, Chris, but there was a time where like the fashion was to wear a whole bunch of rubber bracelets. These like Madonna did it and a whole bunch of people did it. So I would buy bulk bracelets and earrings and I was taking them to school and selling them. And I was cleaning up again. I mean, they weren't hurting as much in the cafeteria because only women were buying them, but I was crushing it, selling bracelets and earrings. Got called into the principal's office again. (laughs) Like, hey, you can't be doing this again. You know, we already talked about this. I'm like, it's not food. You guys said I couldn't have food. But what ended up happening was this went on and on. And I was the type of kid that like, I was tenacious. So when they said there's a regulation, I was ripping the regulations apart. I'm like, it's not written well. It doesn't say that I can't do this. I can stand right outside of the campus. So, so eventually what happened by the end of the year was the school board passed what was commonly known as the Alex Sharfin rule. No, no kidding. Like it's literally called the Alex Sharfin rule. That's what they called it. Like, you know how, when a bill's going to committee, they name it something and then it becomes like HR 3648 or something. Yeah. Well, like I didn't realize that happened at the school board level. They, they all referred to it casually as the Alex Sharfin rule. (laughs) And it was a rule. It was a rule that got passed by the school board that said for the orange County school district, in California, any student anywhere had to get approval for anything that they sold. And the, it was at the principal's discretion. So they finally shut me down. That was like the first time I, I like I dealt with the man and I lost. 
Dang it. It was super but, frustrating. But it's like you made it to City Hall. <laughs> yeah. <I> mean, <laughs> it's like the battle all the way there. Yeah. Like it didn't, it could have ended so many other places, i.e. food. And yeah. even before then, but like, no, Alex is like, no, this is garbage BS. I got some bracelets. Let's roll. Look, here's a charity receipt, like everything. And you make your way into City Hall. I want like, just for it, like, 30 seconds. Let's just think about what it would be like for the judge or whatever the right position is at city hall that has the middle school and has the, you know, the Alex Sharpen. like, wait, are you guys for like, I'm just trying to picture what's going through their head, seeing you guys there. Well, here's what I found out in that time period when, and this was really young. I realized like committees are garbage. Like I couldn't stand committees because you go up against a committee and you're just dead. They can do whatever they want. And so, and the other thing that I found out was that when people sit on a committee, they have a tremendous amount of perceived power. And, you know, in that case, they actually had real power, but like my, my dislike for, and my, my, uh, my lack of trust towards committees and organizations probably was really cemented right back then. You know, you probably heard me go through the four types of people and I, I make fun of how um, people who are coordinators love to sit on committees. Like I always think back to that time. Cause when I, when I went and like met with some of them, I'm like, Oh, like you can't win here. They're going to, they're going to crush me no matter what. Yeah. That, that uh, I'm taking a note down as you're, as you're saying that. And uh, cause you like the four types that it triggered uh, something else that you've mentioned. And I'll actually use uh, that right now is when you were sharing this story, like just a little bit more context around it at lunch, you know, I, I had my own, some of my own businesses uh, that I was, you know, starting in school and then someone else shared another one. And then Alex starts going with his and I'm just like, I keep thinking it's done. And then he's like, no, I took it to the next level. And I was like, yes, <laughs> like cheering for him, reliving this moment that he, that he lived. And uh, like one of the huge, the huge thing that, that hit me. So number one, thank you for sharing that for, for everyone uh, to hear today. And then number two, thank you for sharing it just so I could hear it at lunch because uh, I know in your, in your tribe, in your community, you have a saying like, you know, you're not alone. Yeah. And it, I still like, I've, I've been researching, um, entrepreneurs, leaders, uh, executives for not nearly as long as you have, but for, you know, let's say consistently for at least the last five years, heavily knowing like, Oh, this is my lane. I'm constantly inspired by these people. I want to go this direction. And, um, still to this day, I've not found someone that understands entrepreneurial personality type EPT the way you do. And, and then not only do you like know it, but you you're living, you've lived it and you're still living it. Thanks, and man. so, um, like when you're sharing this story, what's going through me is like, Oh, I'm not alone. There's other people that are like, no, I'm going to figure this out that, you know, I'm going to build, I'm going to grow, I'm going to implement product service and make, make a difference. Yeah. And I, I, I don't know. I just wanted people to hear that. Uh, you had a couple of thoughts on that. Well, yeah, Chris, I mean, didn't, wasn't there a point in your life where you knew like you were totally different than the people around you? Y yes. And, and wasn't like, haven't you had that time where you felt like completely isolated and different and like you would maybe never even find a community? As, as you're saying this, Alex, literally I'm having like flashbacks in my head. And you know, what's interesting, Chris, is when you talk to any entrepreneur, anybody who's like us, we've all been through that time where we felt different and isolated and alone and like a party of one. And 
like, here's the reality for anyone who's listening. And for you, you know, when, when you think about the entrepreneurial personality type throughout history, we've been the people who are different. We challenge the status quo. We want to do something different. And here's what I know about people like us, you included. Every one of us has this whole, like, group of people in our head that matters to us. Like, you know who it is for you. For me, you know, when I, when I researched and, and read and studied successful people, people like Einstein and Edison and Pythagoras and Socrates and Plato, they stood out for me. And I'm sure you have the same thing. You read and like, there's people who call, like their names call to you, their histories call to you. And you feel this, this sense of connection with them. Well, for everyone's listening, whoever has felt alone or different or isolated or like a party of one, I want you to know something. Here's what you can do. Like, think of the, the timeline of history that matters to you. Think of the, the history that you remember, the people who matter to be remembered. And I want you to know that they were just like us. They were different and eccentric and confused and frustrated and isolated and alone until the day where they decided they were going to change the world. And for anyone who has ever felt like they're different or alone, I want you to know something. That is your tribe. That is who you are. That is your birthright. And far too many of us don't connect to that until too late. So it, like, part of my mission is letting every entrepreneur know there is nothing wrong with you and you are not alone. Yeah, that's so powerful. That was one piece, um, you know, for today uh, that that impacted me so heavily personally. You know, this idea of community and connection. We can't, even though, like, knowing that you're not alone and connecting with others that are going the same direction to you is exponentially powerful. I'm in my office right now as we talk, and you know, sometimes my my wife she she'll she'll bring me food. She's so nice. Uh, and she's like, like, I just bring him food. Like he's a dog, like in his cage, he's just working <laughs> the whole time. And like, but I love it. Cause I'm changing the world and wor- world domination is my scope. Like it is yours and all the other EPTs, but that becomes the cycle and the very thing that hurts me because yeah. I don't get out. I don't connect, you know, my relationships suffer a little bit and then it starts pulling me down. I get out of momentum. I, I my creativity drops, anxiety, pressure, and noise as you articulate well goes up and you know, like if, when we get hungry, like we have to eat, it's not like we have the option. And I think for EPTs, it's like, you know, flare gun, hear this message. When you lock yourself away and you work, 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 you're, you might be productive, but you have to, again, connect, get into community and, or it's eventually like, it's a need. It's not like, Oh, it's a nice thing. And, and I'd like you to speak to this a little bit. Cause for me, this is what it feels like is, well, okay, Chris community. I hear you. I, I agree with what you're saying, but I don't have that. Where do I go? And, and what does it actually look like? I would say it's inconvenient. I would say it's yeah. expensive and, and, and hear me close. That's the emotion. That's the voice that goes through me. At least I'm just assuming everyone listening they, they feel this at some point, right? For all the EPTs out there. But it's like the thing where you stop, I'm going to go talk, could be getting this task done and this and this done and this done, but I'm going to go do this. But, you know, wisdom is showing me, experience is showing me that if you stop what you'll recharge and get ROI wise, among other things from that time is going to come back five, tenfold. Your, your, um, your take on that, Alex, in terms of community connection and what it actually feels like to transition into it. You know, Chris, I think here's, here's the thing about being people like us. So I have this theory that 
um, the entrepreneurial personality type is actually the evolutionary hunter. You're actually wearing one of our shirts that says it. And when you look at who we are in the world, we are that small percentage of the population that gets up every day and presses forward and says, what can we change here? Make better. What can we make new? We challenge the status quo. We, we challenge complacency. We push against the rest of the world. And when you look at the rest of the world, the rest of the world literally is waiting for the day they can do nothing. Like that is the dream of most people. If you put an entrepreneur in a room with nothing to do, they go crazy. And if you put an evolutionary hunter in a room with nothing to do, we go crazy. And so when, when I look at who we are, we are truly unique in the world. And so when you said, Chris, that, you know, community sometimes is inconvenient, it's expensive. Well, it can be for people like us because we have to go find a community we actually belong in. But here's what happens. The fastest way for one of us to get into momentum is to give it to somebody else. And, you know, we look at community in this way where we say, what am I going to get out of this? Well, the way I've learned how to look at community is to say, what am I going to give to this? Because I know that if I help someone who's like me, I know that if I'm in a, a mastermind or a group or whatever it is, and I'm helping someone there, I'm moving someone forward, I'm giving someone advice, I'm helping them, I'm, I'm listening to them, I'm just relating to them, that it's going to give me momentum back. And here's my theory evolutionary hunters hunted in packs we need our tribe more than anything else and it makes me a little emotional because if you think about who we are as people we are the kids who are always told to sit down stop moving quit making everybody else uncomfortable we were usually isolated or separated and nobody puts all the kids who ask too many questions in a room at the same time but if they did we probably would have figured out a lot younger that there are other people out there like us and when we do figure that out finally and we realize that there's an entire world of people just like us you know, when I go to, to Funnel Hacking Live next year, I'm speaking for Russell again. This will be my third time speaking out of four Funnel Hacking Lives. I've spoken at three of them, and I, I'm, I'm, like, so honored to be there again. I get up in front of that room, 5,000 people, and it feels like family because it, it, it's an entire room of people just like me who aren't willing to be like everybody else. And... Um, I think as entrepreneurs, when we forget how important that is and how fundamentally real that is, that's when we get stuck. Oh man, Alex, there's, there's so many things you're saying right now that are firing me up. Uh, cause I'm, I'm just connecting with you on this uh, a ton. And as you're saying this, I'm, I'm excited that you're speaking at funnel hacking live again <laughs> next year. Cause I hope to be joining you on stage for, uh, winning the, the two comma club. Uh, which you're helping us with, but I'm looking at a picture and you can see it. And so I'll yeah. articulate it for everyone listening of you standing on funnel hacking live in front of three, almost 4,000 people probably. And li literally, so it's sitting on my desk. I had this thought yesterday on um, the first half of the day. And w the thought that hit me when I, when I saw you on stage, I was like, it's, it's usually the person that cares the most <laughs> that pushes the, the most. And, and I know, always know there's a I know enough to know that there's a story behind the person that stands. In, and so getting to know you more to, you know, throughout the process of, of us working together, but even more so today and sharing it with everyone listening, it's like, what, like hearing the emotion and the passion and the concern and the care. It's like when I first saw you that, that day on stage, I was like, this guy's superpower is building teams. I had no idea about EPT and everything. And obviously we get to work more together now. And I was like, his superpower is that he cares. 
Mm. He, he cares to uh, like a, a higher level than I've seen before. And I know that inspires me because when you, oh, man, oh, it just inspires me a ton. I hope it inspires more people listening uh, today. And, and I really appreciate you opening up and sharing that. And speaking of giving, I'm, I'm shamelessly going to give a plug for you because you're working on some really cool things uh, right now as we speak. And this is hot off the press for everyone listening right now. So um, what Alex was talking about in terms of think about, number one, connect to a community. And if you don't have one, uh, Momentum Podcast. And where, what website can they go to to find you as well, Alex? If you go to MomentumPodcast.com, you can get the podcast. And then if anybody who wants to, to read the book that you mentioned, you go to freemomentumbook.com. That's the entrepreneurial personality type book. And then um, we have a group on Facebook called The Billionaire Code that is growing like crazy. And so they can join with us there. Perfect. Yeah. So they know where to find you. That's excellent. So if you don't have a community and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm EPT, I've known forever and you don't have a place to go, seriously go there and you're welcome in advance. And <laughs> Um, the, the, but this is one part that I want to take people on the inside real quick. And I want them to see, because what you just said was, Hey, what can you not only gain and get from a community, but what can you go in and give? Not only, uh, do you do that in other communities, but within your own community with this new thing that's being built, you're, you're, you're teaching that and having them yeah. implement that. So being in the grow and scale program, you're saying, Hey, you guys, you need to reach, you don't, you didn't say you need to, I'm saying that, but, but you're saying if you would like the, here's why it's powerful, reach out to your new accelerator program and give and listen, yeah. because they're the entrepreneur that you were a year, two, three, five years ago that are working their way up. And so I'm like, Oh my gosh, like, that's so cool. It's so powerful that you're doing it, but you're also helping other people do it. Like what I heard about um, definition of leadership is true leaders don't create followers. True leaders create leaders. Yeah. And you helping us become better leaders and then watch you do it. With, it's just, Alex, it's awesome to be a part of like the movement and every, the community that you're creating. Thank you for the time. Thank you for all that you do. And uh, um, <laughs> let's keep going. Appreciate you, Chris.